Well, welcome to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, uh, week six of the National Football League's 100th anniversary season. Boy, there's some great games this week. Carolina and Tampa, Eagles at Minnesota, uh, New Orleans and Jacksonville, San Francisco and the Rams, and the Monday night game, Detroit and Green Bay. What a great slate of games this week, just to mention a few. We'll have uh, offensive coordinator, a former offensive coordinator in the National Football League, Bill Musgrave on to break down some of the top five categories by yardage and the teams and what does it exactly mean. We'll also have on Hall of Famer Gary Stevens, jockey Gary Stevens, to talk about a couple of races, one in New York, Belmont, the grade two Sandpoint, and one at Keeneland, the grade one Queen Elizabeth Challenge. The Queen also has a horse in that race. Well, we'll have more with Odds and Ends with Mike Tice when we come right back. I got the horse right here, the name is Paul Revere, and here's a guy that says if the weather's clear, can do, can do, this guy says the horse can do, if he says the horse can do, can do. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, and my guest, my next guest is, well, a guy that's been uh, into a few spots in the National Football League, starting with playing in 1991. Started out with the Dallas Cowboys, finished up his playing career in 1998 with the Colts, and uh, Bill Musgrave. Bill, how's it going, my man? How you doing? You staying busy? It's going well. Really uh, happy to be on your show. Thanks, Mike. Well, I'm glad to have you, and I want to kind of go for the through the fans some of your stops. There's been multiple, uh, like myself, and uh, you started your coaching career out uh, in 1997 as the quarterback coach with the Raiders. And then, if I'm not mistaken, then you went back to playing in 98 with the Colts. And uh, that was a year I remember, uh, good and bad. We were 15-1 and that year in 98 with the Vikings, but got beat by Atlanta to go to the Super Bowl. Then you did uh, two stints with Philly. You did Carolina as a QB coach. I remember that. Uh, and then I think you finished up with Carolina as the uh, offensive coordinator, the interim offensive coordinator. Then you went to college. Uh, you went to Virginia, the Cavaliers, and uh, met a f- good friend of mine and yours, and Andy Heck, who was doing a great job with the Kansas City Chief offensive line coach. You went to Jacksonville. You were OC. You went to the Redskins. You went to Atlanta, where you finished up assistant head coach, if I'm not cr- uh, mistaken. Then you went to the Vikes, a place that you, you and I both enjoyed. And then your second stint with Philly, uh, with Chip, and learned a lot and taught me a lot about that game, uh, the run game and the passing game and the seams, and uh, really, really good stuff. Then the Raiders, where we worked together. And then you last stop was the Denver Broncos. You're taking a rest right now, uh, doing some things with the family, it, frothing at the bit, if you will, to get back into it. But you're following a lot of football, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that correct, Bill? Oh, definitely. Definitely, it's been a been a unique year here in 2019. Not working, but um, like you, uh, just enjoy to wor- enjoy working and looking forward to getting back in in 2020 and hitting the ground running. Yeah, and uh, if if the fans out there, our fans out there aren't, aren't aware, uh, Bill is a former duck, quack quack, and they play tonight. I think uh, they got a big game tonight. Uh, the Ducks, if I'm not mistaken, isn't that Friday night? Isn't that a Friday night game, Bill? Yeah, they 
do. I think they've got uh, CU CU bus rolling in. Oh town. yeah, the three the three it's a great weekend up there uh, in the northwest. And I think Utah is going to be in Corvallis tomorrow, so you could get a couple of games right there in the state of Oregon in 24 hours. Yeah, three and two uh, Colorado Buffaloes, home of uh, <laughs> our good friend Mr. Nick Holes, and. Uh, and so that should be a good game. And let's get move over to the thing that you and I love and the passion we have for the National Football League. I've been out two years now, retired last year. And I, I want to say I didn't follow it as closely, but this year I've got uh, messing around this podcast, having some great guests on, some great friends, and started looking at stats again. And let's talk about the top five teams statistically Statistically, yardage-wise, Bill, the top five offenses in the league are Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, San Francisco, and the Rams. Now, this is going into Thursday night's game. I think some of these things have changed. Top five defenses, the Patriots, of course, uh, look really good on defense, but found some holes last night, the Giants did. San Francisco, the Bills, a team I think both you and I like, the Vikings, and the Bears. And do you have any teams, let's start with the offensive side, Bill. Do you have any teams out of that list, Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, San Fran, or the Rams that jump out that you think, uh, by the way, those teams that were top five offenses were two and three last week, uh, and the teams that were top five defensive uh, defenses are, were four and one last week. So do you have any teams on that offensive side of the ball, uh, Dallas, Kansas City, Baltimore, San Fran, Rams, that you like that jump out to you? teams are, you know, they're going to be in each and every game. I think they've got um, good veteran leadership on those teams you mentioned. Um, I know the season is still early. It's a young season thus far, but mm-hmm. um, assuming that they can stay relatively healthy, those teams are going to be in it once we get up there to November and December. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, yardage, there's some empty yards in football games. Right. So the yardage statistics at times can be a little bit deceiving. Yes, um, We all know the bottom line is points. You know, the teams that are keeping people out of the end zone, whether they're giving up yards or not, making them kick field goals, or creating turnovers after they've given up a few yards, those are really the elite defenses in the league, and you named a number of them. And, you know, it's, those, those teams are fun to watch. It doesn't have to be a 50-49 to 49 shootout, I think, for a real football fan to enjoy watching uh, pro football. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and the turnover thing, uh, the turnover ratio is something that I was going to segue over to and, and kind of, as you and I talk through this, compare uh, some of those teams that have the statistics yardage-wise and then also have the turnover ratio, uh, to me, are the teams that you really want to follow. Uh, the defense You mentioned last, last night's game, New England was a great example yeah, of that. Yeah. Yep. You know, the Giants found some holes. They gave up some yards. It was 14-14 ball game. But when push came to shove, um, the turnovers were the key to that game. Yes, um, absolutely. Of course, in, in New England made it happen with their ability to get the ball out from the Giants' offense. Yeah, they were plus two. They ended up plus two. It was uh, not not characteristic of Brady. He had a pick, and they had a fumble. But the Giants, as you mentioned, Bill, turned the ball over four times last night. And and also had a block punt return for a touchdown. They were in the game until you know you end up going minus two in the turnover ratio. It's hard to win uh, in any type of football, whether it's Pop Warner or NFL, when you're turning the football over that many times. But the Patriots' defense, 
uh, number one, the San Francisco 49ers. I think uh, I saw a stat, Bill, that they're the only team in the league that are in the top five, both in defense and offense overall, number two in defense, number four in offense. And I remember way back in the way when I worked with Brian, back in the day when I worked with Brian Billick, he used to have a formula that got you to the Super Bowl, and that formula was just that, being in the top five in uh, top five in defense and offense. And uh, right the way they're the way they're doing it is by creating explosive plays on offense and yes. really limiting the big plays on defense. They're being very explosive, as we all know in the run game. They're averaging two hundred yards a game, but wow, they're getting yeah. chunks. Yep. Even the first play of the game going for 83. Then yep. on defense, they've got the front that can really be disruptive, so they don't have to get all fancy and exotic. They can rush those four guys, and they may give up some completions or what have you, but they're not giving up big plays because they're playing good, sound defense because they've got great people, all those number one draft picks up there in their front. Yeah, and you're right. And when you can get after the quarterback with four guys and not have to take – as you used to tell me, take anybody out of the coverage. Now it's just the, it's just the opposite of what we look for in, in, on offense. We look to get as many guys out as we can get out. And if you can have as many guys as you can in coverage and get to the quarterback and disrupt the pocket and the tempo with four rushers, you're ahead of the change. You're ahead of the game, don't, I, don't you think, Bill? Well, definitely reminds you of the early 90s when Dallas was winning their Super Bowls. On defense, they rushed four guys. They really only played one coverage. They just played quarters. Mm-hmm. They didn't allow people to throw the ball over their head. They rallied. They were a good tackling group. And that looks like what San Francisco has built there. We played them when I was in Denver last year in December. And, uh, boy, it was tough to get any yards on their front. They were healthy. They were rolling. And uh, it was kind of a precursor for what they're doing now early in 2019. Yeah, I, that's such a, a great formula. It was always a good formula with those Tampa two defenses, uh, you know, that were hip in in the nineties. Uh, the you know Tony Dungy defenses, those uh, Monty Kiffin defenses. When you could get to the quarterback with four and play that Tampa two, you really made it hard on on offenses unless the offense was patient and matriculated the ball. Uh, incrementally down the field, if you will, because you weren't getting any big plays against that defense. Let's move on to a couple more top five stats, and and just I, I get so intrigued by these wins and losses, and uh, and and how the rushing offenses in the league and the turnover teams in the league, uh, and like you said, the teams that score the points. Uh, that's the bottom line: is score points and and don't don't give up any points. Top five in passing last week, Bill, because I love this. You know me. Uh, Kansas City, the Rams, the Falcons, the Cowboys, and the Chargers are the top five passing offenses by stats, by yards, in the league. They were 0-5 last week. The top Every f- one of those teams got behind. Every, right? yep. Every one of those teams were getting their ass kicked, yep. whether they be at home or on the road. And you're right. And then, of course, okay, we got to put the ball in the air. And then defenses play bend but both don't break defense, yep. which is smart because what do they want to do? They just want to win the game. Yep. Just win the game, and uh, we'll give you guys all the passing yards you guys can digest, and uh, we'll take home the W. Yeah, no, no, that's that's a good point, Bill. And if and then you go over to the other side of the ball and you look at the top five defenses, which you've talked about a couple of them. They're five and zero. 
The one that intrigues me a little bit is at the bottom, the fifth one. But the Patriots, of course, are number one in about every stat in the league right now. 49ers, number two. We alluded to that. They're playing good defense, rushing four. The Bills, a team that you and I both like and that are in a bye this week. The Panthers, a team, a game we're going to talk about here in a minute when we get to the games. The Panthers are number four in defense. And the Broncos, you know, the Broncos who – you know, coming on a little bit, I think, and you have some familiarity with the Broncos. Are there any teams out of that top five pass defense that uh, stand out to you? I know you like the Bills, so maybe you want to talk about them a little bit, or uh, we don't want to talk about the Patriots. Let's, and we already talked about the 49ers. How about a little bit about the Bills and Panthers and Broncos that jump out to you? All three of those teams that you mentioned, Mike, they've got sound running game. And I know the Broncos' running game is starting to heat up with Phillips. Um, Lindsey, he had a huge game against the Chargers last week. Um, all three of those teams, we know, of course, Carolina knows how to run the ball with Norv and Coach Matsko, mm-hmm. and really the best running back in the league thus far in the short season is, uh, of course, Christian McCaffrey yes. with what he's doing. Buffalo, they're running the ball, and uh, we talk about complimentary football all the time. The defense is racking up their absolute best stats mm-hmm. when they're over there sitting on the sideline while the offense is controlling the clock, controlling the ball, running it, as you said, stacking up first downs, whether they're having to convert on third down or not. Maybe they're just running it on first and then second and one to six. But these teams that are running the ball well are keeping their defense on the sideline, and then when they are out there, of course, they're fresh and they can be at their best. Yeah, and and, and that one team that I want to talk a little bit more about because it's the Bills, and I've been a fan of the Bills all year. I've had offensive line coach Bobby Johnson on the on the podcast twice, and of course we're big fans. We work together, and we like to. I like to see all the guys I worked with do well. They're number three in total defense. They're playing excellent defense. They had a shot to beat. Uh, of course, New England, but then it comes down to the thing that you mentioned here earlier in the show, turnovers, and that's the part that scares me a little bit about Buffalo is they're minus three right now on a bye week in the turnover ratio, and that's, you know, you can have a great defense, and that's going to help you when you turn the ball over when you have a great defense. It helped Carolina last week when they fumbled that, uh, the quarterback fumbled on that sack. They held him to, I, I believe, a field goal, but talk about that. I mean, the quarterback, you're a quarterback guy. Talk about the quarterback and the mistakes he's making and what he has to do here after the bye to really bring Buffalo up into that elite status. Well, you mentioned that Buffalo has a lot of the the components to be a good team. That's the defense and running the game, run game. Love that quarterback, but he's one of the young guns. There's eight of them in the mm-hmm. league right now. Mm-hmm. Eight that I would ca- categorize as you know, young gun quarterbacks. And when Go you ahead. have a young guy, it's hard to be positive in that turnover ratio. Okay. It just is. There's a there's a trial and error. There's a, a learning curve involved with jumping from college to pro defenses for all QBs, no matter what system from which they came out. And uh, Josh Allen uh, is a heck of a QB. Like you said before, he, he's willing to pin his ears back and go get it. He's he'll, big, too, he'll isn't He'll run he? for first downs. He'll use his legs. He, he's a tough sucker. Um we were lucky enough when I was in Denver to be able to coach that senior bowl, and we had him for a week down there in Mobile and uh, came away very impressed with the young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a big dude, too. I mean, he really is. So top five in rushing. Let's segue over to that. Um, this will be our last top five. San Francisco, we talked about, is number one. Baltimore is number two, but 
I always put a little asterisk on teams like Baltimore. It's back like uh, when Atlanta was number one all the time in the league in rushing. I think the quarterback's averaging, like, I might not be correct, but somewhere between 50 and 60 yards a game. So that's kind of a little bit of a skewed stat to me. But it's still number two in the league in rushing. The Vikings are number three. The Panthers, who you mentioned already, are number four. So they're number four in rushing, number four in passing defense. That's a pretty good uh, formula for winning and then winning the turnover battle, except they're at zero right now. And they have that young quarterback who – you know, he Kyle's a really good player, Kyle Allen, uh, very poised. But a couple of weeks ago, he gets, you know, sacked three times. He fumbles three times. Last week, he fumbles again. He's just, in talking to Norv last week, he's got to hang on to that ball, as you well know. That ball security is key. And the Colts, who just did a number on the Kansas City Chiefs last week, are number five team in rushing. Those five teams were 5-0 and last week, Bill. Talk a little bit more. And you know I'm a run game guy. Talk a little bit more about those teams that are rushing the heck out of the football. Well, those teams know what they're doing. They've got veteran um, coaching staffs. They're not trying to uh, set the world on fire with anything uh, new or any type of a flavor of the week. It's fun to watch those guys week in and week out because you know what concepts you're going to get. Um, they just do a super job. And, uh, you know, they're keeping their, their defense fresh. Um, the more they can protect the ball. Some of them have young quarterbacks, as you mentioned. Some of them have veteran quarterbacks. Some of them um, you know, have playmaker quarterbacks that uh, use their legs as well. So it's mm-hmm. been a fun mix to watch those, those guys here early in this 2019 season. Yeah, it's been great. And in the top five rushing, rushing off uh, defenses are similar. Uh, I mentioned the Eagles, the Bucks the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. And I think you and I talked a little bit about this before we went on the air. I want to mention to the fans why uh, Bill made a big comment, a very important comment early in the game, early in the, game, early in the show, about uh, not giving up points defensively and scoring points. And the Eagles are number one in the league in rushing defense, but they also are the fourth team in the league with people throwing the ball against them. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, to me, that means that part of the reason why they're number one in the league in offense is in, in rushing defense, excuse me, is that no one's running the ball against them. They're throwing the ball against them. And I think it's a skewed stat. And then the Vikings, who are, are, can run the football, are going to play the Eagles this week. And a lot of what I'm hearing is, boy, they're going to have a hard time running the ball against the number one Run, rush defense in the league, I say bah humbug. I, I disagree. I think the Vikings are going to run the ball well against them, and I think the Eagles are number one in the league in rushing because everyone's throwing the ball against them. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that comment, or am I, am I just smoking something? No, I think you're accurate with that. That's, that's the game of the week. Those are the two best teams right now in the NFC. I know Seattle, San Francisco are, have had terrific starts. New Orleans is doing some amazing stuff without Drew Brees, but Minnesota and Philly are going to be there at the end in December. They've got made for that. They've been there before, and uh, it's going to be a great matchup this week. I'd expect both teams to have success um, running the ball. Uh, both both teams have uh, terrific coaching staffs. They know what they're doing, and uh, that's going to be a great game up there in Minneapolis. 
Who do you like in that one, Bill? Let me put you on the spot. Not without the spread, oh, who, who do you like? I like the Vikings because of the home field advantage. It's going yeah. to be loud. Um, the Vikings have some momentum after returning from the Giants last week and um, having a good day. They seem to be uh, healthy, and uh, I just like the Vikes. Uh, they're in a good trajectory right now. I agree. I agree. I, and they are healthy. I think they uh, had their little family quarrel and their little spat, and you know the quarterback and the receivers and. Uh, maybe they got over it, but, uh, you know, winning fixes that real quick, and they come out and win a big game against the Giants. And uh, and now everybody's happy, at least for a week. And here come the Eagles in, and, uh, well, it's going to be a heck of a game. I can't wait. I think it's the game of the week, so we're, we're all going to get a chance to see that game. Then the Bucks are number two in rushing defense, but I want to allude to the Bucks also. They are first in the league with uh, passing attempts against them, 43.6 passing attempts against them. So now the rushing attempts against them are low, and, and I, I firmly believe that's part of the reason why they're up there in rushing defense. And now they get to play Carolina, a team that can run the ball and a team that can stop the pass because they're number four in the league in pass defense, number four in the league in rush offense. I think it's going to be – one hell of a game, if not, uh, you know, the co-game of the week, in my opinion. But, you know, these aren't teams with elite records, but these are two good football teams going the right way. What do you, who do you like in that game? And talk about the Bucks team and uh, Carolina, who we've already alluded to. Talk about that game a little bit, Bill. Well, well, it's amazing what Carolina did last week against Jacksonville. Here's Carolina with Cam Newton out, mm-hmm. not even on any, you know, road trips or wherever. He's, he's, he's out. And they've got their quarterback who's never played in the league before. So when you go play Carolina, one would think that let's stop Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. No matter what it takes. No matter what it takes, we're not going to let that sucker beat us. We're going to make this quarterback who was undrafted and has never even seen the field until a couple weeks ago. Let's see if he can beat us. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Jacksonville wasn't able to do that. Right. Um, I don't know if Tampa Bay will be able to either. It's, it's an amazing an NFL defense would go into Charlotte and allow you know, Christian McCaffrey just to run wild when really he's their only weapon on offense. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see what Todd Bowles does down there in Tampa Bay if he can figure it out how to t- you know, not allow Christian McCaffrey to beat us. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. And, and you take out their best player, which is how New England wins, right? They take out the right. best player and then – say, all right, let, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose to these guys. We're not going to lose to this guy. And I think that's a, a tremendous point. The Pats are number three. We've talked about them. The Seahawks uh, are number four in rush defense. And why I'm, I'm taking time to go through this one a little slower is because I'm trying to segue over to these matchups. And so let's talk about the Seahawks. They, uh, they've they got a good football team, and their quarterback uh, is playing I mean, Russell's playing lights out right now. This this town is Seahawk crazy. Talk about the Browns and the Seahawk game a little bit for the fans, Bill. I would expect Russell Wilson to have a big day. Mm-hmm. He's um, he's a playmaker. He's one of those few QBs in the league that is not only a precision passer, he's also a playmaker. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we have quarterbacks that are pocket passers, and we can name those guys as we know um, Roethlisberger and Flacco and Rivers and Matt Ryan and Tom Brady, these guys who are 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and they can be precise when they throw the ball. And then there's our playmakers, 
right, whether it be Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Patrick Mahomes, he fits in both categories, mm-hmm. and so does Russell Wilson. Both Mahomes and Russ are precision passers from the pocket, but then they can also extend and become playmakers. So those two guys are my favorite guys to watch, and uh, I would expect Russell to really be on his game, of course, facing uh, Cleveland. It'll be electric atmosphere. The Browns have a lot of hype, as we've all mentioned right. before. Um, and then we'll see if they can keep keep up with the Seattle offense and try to pick apart that Seattle defense with uh, with their weapons that they have on the Cleveland offense. One of the questions I posed in the beginning of this uh, this project, this podcast project, was during training camp I posed the question of, with all this hype surrounding Cleveland right now, I, I have questions about their offensive line. And I have questions, is it an offensive line that's good enough to uh, win, you know, and win against good defenses? And that is something that, uh, to me, they were better a couple of weeks ago when they ran it more. And, uh, of course, the quarterback wants to drop back and throw it. But when they can't hold up, and you can't hold up up front, you better take a deep breath as a coaching staff and look at what you're trying to do and who you're trying to do it with. That's just my opinion. And uh, the other thing I want to allude to in that game is Seattle, going back to your other comment, I, I couldn't think of your other comment when I was talking a little while ago, was turnovers. The the Seahawks are plus three in the ratio and Cleveland's minus three. And so I think that's another thing that's going to play heavily into the game, in my opinion. I agree with you. I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to have a good day. Last one, and then I'll let you go. The 49ers uh, are number five in rush defense. They're off to one heck of a start, and uh, that old safety uh, is doing a great job. John up there is general manager, the head coach. Uh, Shanahan Kyle is doing a great job. They're playing with a lot of confidence. It was nice to see the crowd in the stands last week getting excited. But they've got a tough game this week and a division rival in the Rams. Wow, huh? How about that? Tell us tell us a little bit about that that game. And I'm going to say start it with this. The, the 49ers are plus three in the turnover ratio, Bill, and the Rams are minus four. So take it from there and talk about that game a little bit. I think the 49ers have the momentum. And um, I think we've, we've seen that here early in this season. And uh, I just think they've got the momentum to go in there and get to 5-0 and this week. They've, uh, they've figured out um, how to play Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G's doing a nice job when he's asked to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, the run game is clicking. Um, the Rams are beat up. Todd Gurley seems to be eternally uh, nicked and beat up. I don't think a keep to leave will play over there to the quarterback's right. right. That's what they're saying. Um, and I just think uh, the Niners will, will have a good day down there, um, you know, and just keep rolling and probably put the Rams there at 3-3. Three and three. It'll be it'll be a tough game, but I think the, the Niners are uh, are rolling in the right direction. I, I agree with that. And uh, the only stat worth jumping out for the Rams is that they're number two in passing yardage and, I don't think their defense is playing as well as they've played last year or the year before. And uh, certainly they got to hang on to that football. Minus four is not a good thing to be at this point. I know I could talk to you for hours and hours, Bill, on these games. I mean, New Orleans and Jacksonville, Detroit and Green Bay. What a great slate of games this week. 
what great insight you were able to give uh, me and our fans. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I hope we can do this again down the road and uh, uh, try to stay busy, man. Try to stay busy. I sure will. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a great weekend, Mike. All right, thanks, Bill. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. That was Bill Musgrave, former offensive coordinator of uh, a few teams and uh, an Oregon Duck. The Ducks played a night against Colorado, and we'll see how that pans out. I'd like to thank Bill for coming on and taking the time out of his, well, probably not so busy schedule. But I, I appreciate his time and, and uh, his insight. We'll be back in a minute with more from Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Well, welcome back to Odds and Ends with Mike Tice, and my guest is the great Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens, who's, I know, gearing up for the Breeders' Cup, and he's got a few things going on. And uh, Gary, how you doing this week, and what's going on in the horse racing world? I'm doing good, Coach. Uh, well, everything's silent right now in a good way, and I think that's a good thing for the sport moving in the right direction. We've got a couple of uh, races this weekend that are horses that I think chose not to go to the Breeders' Cup and pick some spots that they can get some good black type uh, with the Queen Elizabeth and the, the Sands Point at uh, Belmont Park. Yeah, I know. Those are two good races, and I pulled those forms up last night, and especially the uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, two Challenge Cup at Keeneland. And, boy, Keeneland's had some great racing the last the two weeks. They've been open, and another great day today. And, uh, the mile and an eighth, or mile and an eighth on the turf, the Queen Elizabeth uh, for three-year-olds, and as you mentioned previous, before we went on the air, the Sands Point is also for three-year-old fillies, both for three-year-old fillies, uh, both on the turf, both a mile and an eighth. One race is grade one, and the other one came up a little, a little weak grade two. Boy, if you had a three-year-old filly, that's where you send them because you're going to win the money. But let's start with the Queen Elizabeth. Uh, cup and uh, talk to me and talk me through this race because there's a whole lot of horses in here with a whole lot of ink on it on my form so tell me what you're thinking well i i, I kind of narrowed it down to uh five horses uh five fillies mike and uh, it's a it's a confusing race to look at there's no speed right. in the race mm-hmm. and lady prance a lot i mean uh richard baltus he's been on fire shipping his horses around here over the last couple of weeks and she was beaten by uh kelsey cross a couple races back and you know cambia park she's rested uh chad brown you can never throw out a chad brown her form is decent but i don't like the numbers i mean uh she shipped out here for the delmar oaks and and she won it and uh johnny b's back aboard her so you don't want to you don't want to throw her out. But I, I'm going elsewhere. I'm going Europe on this one. Okay, uh, going to Europe. Uh, I I kind of like the French filly that's coming in. She's lightly raced. She's only had four races, three wins. She won at Longchamp. She won at uh, Ascot. Uh, her last race was a Grade One, and that that time form that she's got over there matches up way above the buyer figures. If if anyone uses the buyer figures mm-hmm. so i'm going to put her in the mix but uh my pick is going to be a price but you're talking about scu- excuse me guy you were talking about castle lady is that who you were talking about yes that's 
that's the, exactly the five what horse? I was talking yep. about. Yep. Castle okay. Lady. Yep. But I'm gonna I'm gonna move clear over to the seven horse. This is Ooh. Queen Elizabeth. And it's the Queen. <laughs> her Her Highness uh, the Queen for uh, William Haggis, a great trainer. This filly's form is uh, to me stands above anybody else. So the seven horse uh, magnetic charm is who you're talking about. That's exactly right. Magnetic charm, the the seven horse for the Queen. Mm-hmm. William Haggis, the trainer. She's only raised. Now, when you look at the daily racing form, it, it tells you what kind of course they were on. Straight, right-handed, or left-handed. Mm-hmm. She's only raced on left-handed one time, and that was at York, which is a very galloping American, I, I call it the Belmont of turf racing in uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's left-handed. It's a tricky course with a, a long straight, but you need a good horse to win there. She She won there. And she, her time form rating was excellent, so she's she's going to be my pick. So uh, you're picking magnetic the seven, charm magnetic charm in the Queen Elizabeth for the Queen. For the Queen, oh yeah! And I'm I tell you what, purple and gold lacings, red sleeves, black. Those are the colors <laughs> for the Queen. I'm going to go with the nine. I, I'm going to go with the nine here, Regal Glory. That's uh, another Chad Brown horse by Animal Kingdom. The Animal Kingdoms have, do, have been doing extremely well on the turf. Speaking of Johnny V, uh, Animal Kingdom. And uh, Saratoga, two wins in a row. The Lake George, grade three. The Lake Placid, grade two. Luis Saez up. I'm going to go uh, dead-heated last time for a win with uh, with Regal Glory. Uh, with, excuse me, with uh, uh, Varenka, who's also in this race. Uh, but I'm going to go with the nine, and you're going to go with the seven. But you also mentioned Castle Lady and Lady Prance a lot, and you, you're really not fond of the odds on the three horse, the other Chad Brown horse. You don't like the numbers, Cambier Park. Is that is that what I'm hearing? No, no, she's, she's traveled a lot, and you got to trust uh, Chad Brown, and um, I've got to I've got to make my ticket uh, playable, and. Um, so I'm I'm kicking him out of it. So I'm not Ooh. saying that he won't be, you know, one, two, three in there. But uh, if you're playing, you're playing. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm throwing out. But Regal Glory, she's got the best record of uh, anybody in the race for Chad Brown. Winners are winners. And she's won her last three. She's never been worse than second. So uh, you okay with, there, Mike. You're okay. Cool. All right. So let's move on to the uh, the lesser of the uh, three-year-old Phillies uh, mile and eighth on the turf at Belmont, the Sands Point, grade two. Didn't come up as strong, came up a little weak. Seven horses. Take us through that. Tell us, uh, tell the fans who you like, Gar, and, and then we'll move on to something you're really good at, picking football games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dinah Pass is the one horse uh, trained by Tom Albertsoni. You know, she's won... Uh, one out of eight races, and if they haven't stepped to the forefront right now with the, the company they've been keeping, the numbers on all these fillies just it doesn't look like grade two mm-hmm. uh, for me. Olin Don, uh, she had a ton of trouble in her last couple of races. The blinkers are coming off of her. That's the two horse. Uh, Manny Franco's riding her. The three horse Medeka, she just doesn't figure. I'm I, I'm not even going to talk about her. The four horse, still glorious. Christophe Lamont. All right, she's run 11 times. She's a filly that uh, traveled Europe and came into his barn in early March. And uh, she's had two wins here in America 
um, first two starts. Second, the, yeah. the grade three store softly at Belmont, and uh, her form to me is is just more solid, uh, more even than any of the the fillies in the race. So still glorious. The four horse is going to be my pick, mm-hmm. and if you want to throw a long shot in there, uh, Michael Trombetta. The seven, uh, yeah. The seven horse yeah. super escape. She's coming off a win, which might have been a confidence builder. Unfortunately, her form on synthetic and on uh, off the turf races has been better. But if, if you're going to throw a long shot in, to me, looking at this form, it's just not a true grade two. Mm-hmm. It's uh, uh, two other than allowance race. So that's. That's where I'm going right now. It's with the four horse Phil Glory. All right. Now I'm going to throw in Chad Brown's horse, new and improved, the five, just because it's Chad Brown, just to kick well, you're, you're, you're drinking uh, Andy Serling's bathwater, I think. But, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm just trying to give the fans an exacta. I mean, what the heck? I mean, we, we got well, to do that's some... what I'm trying to do the same thing. And yeah. that was no, that was, that was fun with Andy. He's a great friend of mine and uh, one of my colleagues. And people see us go at it on, on Fox. Uh, every now and then, but uh, he's he's got a great opinion. I just don't think he knows how to watch a race all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of races and speaking of something that you know and you're pretty good at, is let's move over to the National Football League and talk about a couple of these great games this week, Gary. I'm going to give you three games like I usually do, and I'm going to start with Carolina coming off a big win against the Jaguars at Tampa Bay coming off a seven-point loss uh, at uh, uh, the Saints. But I want to say this. Tampa Bay is plus four in the turnover ratio, and uh, and supposedly number two, they are number two statistically against the rush. Carolina is number four rushing the football, so that's a good test right there. But Carolina is number four on defense against the pass. Who are you liking that game? <laughs> well, you know, my, my game, the same as uh... – the NFL and, and uh, Major League Baseball uh, is all judged by numbers. But uh, when I get up uh, and throw a pass or if I'm at home plate uh, with bases loaded, I throw those numbers out out the window and uh, Carolina. Carolina. My pick. Okay, good pick. I like the pick because I like Carolina this week as well, and we liked Carolina last week, and they won a big game last week. I'm going to go on to, I think, maybe the game of the week. In fact, I think they announced it as the game of the week national game. Eagles at Minnesota, both teams 3-2, and two, really good football teams. There are some injury concerns, I think, out there for Philadelphia. They have uh, two, three defensive starters out, two, two corners, and uh, Jerrigan, the defensive tackle, the very good player. And my concern is how they're going to stop that prolific run game of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the game is at Minnesota. Uh, who you like in that one? They they can't stop them, Mike. It's uh, Minnesota. Yeah, I like, um, I like Minnesota. Can't down, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to give you one more game because I know, I know Mrs. Stevens would like you to pick this game. How about the 4, <laughs> 4-0 San Francisco 49ers uh, over the L.A. Rams or at the L.A. Rams? They got a Go down south a couple couple hours. Who you like? I, I hate I hate doing this. Oh, you're gonna not going to do very it. Very pleased. Oh, okay. She's going to be very pleased, and I'm not saying it because uh, Angie is. I, I've got a Steve Young 
Christmas ornament that hangs up every year. Uh, and I'm a fan of Steve Young. I just don't like him on my Christmas tree, but San Francisco <laughs> in L.A. Okay. Uh, yeah. You're taking the 49ers. Well, you've been great with your picks. Let's uh, let's get those horses home uh, this week. And uh, I tell you, I tell you what, I I like a horse. I like a horse on Sunday, man. I like a horse of uh, of uh, Doug O'Neill's. I'm gonna give out to the fans. Name Southwest Bay at Santa Anita in the eighth race on Sunday. So give that one a shot, too, fans. And let's see if we can get you a couple winners, man. Hey. Great talking with you. I know you're real busy, and uh, I'll shout out to you during the weekend. We'll see what we can get going. All right. Sounds good, Mike. All right. Be Thanks, good. Coach. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Odds and Ends with Mike Tice. Uh, great job by Hall of Fame jockey Gary Stevens and picking a couple of races for us this week. Don't forget Southwest Bay Sunday, Doug O'Neill in the eighth race at Santa Anita, and a tremendous job by former offensive coordinator of uh, many, a couple of teams, Bill Musgrave, and talking about some of the top teams in the National Football League and some of the top games this weekend, week six of the National Football League. If you have any thoughts or comments, please tweet us at odds and ends pod. That's O-D-D-S, the letter N, E-N-D-S, pod. And you can always give us an email at oddsandendspod at gmail.com. Have a great weekend. Hope all your horses are winning horses. And don't forget, I'd rather have a short price than a long face.